This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's poppin' everybody? Hello and welcome to Popcorn Culture. My name is Ben Carlin and I am your host. Here with me today is my brother Jay, who will be in every episode. In every episode, although I will point out, somebody on Reddit posted a screenshot of a, I think I think it was in Apple iTunes, and it like shows you like a description of the show and stuff, but it shows, it says Ben Carlin, and underneath it it says host, and then it says Jay Carlin, and underneath it it says host. So... Well, there you go. Well, Apple, Apple, they got my back. Do they? Do, does Apple always have it right? I mean, that's the real question. Mm-hmm. That's the real question. Mm-hmm. In case you guys are wondering how we determine who gets to be the host every week, we do it over on our Patreon page where we have three tiers. They are all $5 and it is basically just casting your vote. Either Buzzy B, that's me. Yeah, or for host Jazzy J. Or for host neither, where it's just 15 minutes, a good quality silence for you to think about whatever you want. There you go. <laughs> yeah, who wants no host? It's like nobody. Yeah, we have like the opening music like roll through and it just transitions into nothing yeah it definitely doesn't transition into a corny joke like we're about to right now hey well done well done okay what did the baby corn say to the mama corn boy where's popcorn nailed it yes that's the name of the show almost Uh, yeah half of it What's the difference between popcorn and pea soup? Uh, soup and co- I don't know. Anyone can popcorn, but you can't pea soup. Oh, uh, it's a potty uh, joke. It's a potty joke. Wonderful. A good quality humor. There it is. To Nothing kick like off this good, week of the yeah, this week of the potty pop. humor. Okay, Ben. So I need to follow up with you. How is your progress on your Rubik's cubes? Oh my gosh, I'm still. I've actually been. I've been very blown away by the number of people who were responded to this, but there have been a lot of people who have reached out and they have basically told me you have to learn the algorithms. Like, that is what everyone did. That is what everyone did. That is what I, there were a couple people who pointed out that like, that is how most people come to learn how to solve the Rubik's cube right. versus I suppose like the natural method of right. genuinely working it out. Just like genuine raw brain power. Right, right, right. Yeah. Which I, I think that very, like that would be, that is a very high challenge yes. to, to just solve it just from, from fiddling with it uh, and slowly like learning, you know, your own algorithms and stuff like that. Like there were, there 
original smart people once upon a time. Right. The smart people who formulated these ideas and, and from there. Uh, Ethan, who actually edits the podcast for us, he messaged me after listening to that episode of The Pop and was saying that he just spams the algorithm until until it goes. So that's one of those things where I'm like, will that work? Can I just like learn one of them and just keep trying it over and over and over again regardless uh, of the configuration? And eventually. And eventually it'll just go. But it's fascinating like to see the difference in people who reach out. And I, I've seen people, I think someone said they could solve it in as quickly as six, 16 seconds. 16? What? Which is crazy. But I think even for speed cubers, that's still like, and th- this is what the person told me in their email, that that's still not quite at like competitive standards, mm, which to me right. is like mind blowing. Right. That's when you're like running a running a 16 minute 5k and you're like, yeah, <laughs> what? You're not even close to competing for first. Exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. 16 minute 5k is right. unbelievably right. fast. You are booking it. Yes. You are way, that is, that'd be such an unfortunate, because if you're like, this is, this is some cross country lore for the listeners. Cross country races are 5,000 meters. So if you get to like the top of that at, you know, high school when Ben and I ran or whatever, you're probably looking at for the men's, I don't know, high 14s, low 15s, thereabouts. Does that sound right? Oh, for like, for like a finish time? For the best. Yeah, for like the winner of states. The winner of states. Yeah, I right. would say that I, high 14s is probably even, I feel like for the state of Virginia, yeah, maybe a little generous. I maybe think, a little I think generous. 15s is probably okay. winning. 15, yeah. So so 15s. That's about a five minute mile three times in a row. 5K is three miles. If you if you're running like a 16, that's just such a bummer because you are clearly so talented. Yes. You are better than you're like the guy coming in fourth at the Olympics. I feel like like oh fourth. <laughs> What an embarrassment. What a failure. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you will never go down as the most famous runner of all time, Steve Prefontaine. <laughs> oh, Steve Prefontaine. It always goes back. Dude, we were talking about those uh, Steve, Steve Prefontaine shoes and or flip-flops we used to own. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. remember. I looked it up on Poshmark, and I found the exact flip-flops that I used to own, except no. they were the wrong. I was going to get them. They were the wrong size. Although, I think I could easily get away with at least one or two sizes down. Down because if I recall, they were way big. <laughs> Such good quality, very John Deere green and yellow yes. flops that you wore that for a long period of time. Indeed, had them for a long time. And that's the other thing, is that for the uninitiated, like if you're in the know about Steve Prefontaine and Oregon and track and the green and gold and stuff, you see the flops and you're like, oh yeah, I see what's up. But probably the further you get from Oregon, and we're in Virginia. The less it looks like you're making a nod to a running legend, and more it looks like you just like tractors. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> there, I mean, I think there's a John Deere dealership, like, literally within a stone's throw of my house. Like, uh, it's so close. Yeah, so, anyway, I might get them if I find them. You should! I, at this point, I think I've done enough groundwork to bring them back successfully. Oh, I think so. I think they'd be a huge hit. Yeah, for absolutely. Sure. It's actually so funny that you went in search of them after after that particular episode because I did the same exact thing. Oh, did you? I was like, I'm going to go find this pair of green Nikes again. They were green with a yellow swoosh. And I was like, if I find them, I'm totally buying another pair because like, for one, they it, it's a fun challenge for me because they would be rare in the sense that they were not valuable or anything once upon a time. This yeah. was just a shoe that happened right. to be available for purchase in 2007. And so the idea that somebody would have kept it like in some type of a, you know, safe place all, after all this time right. unworn is so incredibly unlikely. Right. You know, like collector's shoes 
it makes sense because tons of people, that's the fun of it. You know, it's like keeping a Hot Wheels car yeah. in the box. You don't open the treasure hunt. Although I will say that I have recently been looking into Hot Wheels. I, if I recall from our childhood, I've been trying to figure out like if like what level of interest people have in like racing Hot Wheels and stuff like online. Like, is this the thing people do? It is. Um, it is. Yeah. And I was sort of like, there must be like a, like a known fastest Hot Wheel. I would have to imagine. Right. So I think it looks like there was a particular series that was really designed to go fast. Okay. And they're not like the kind of blister pack things you would ever get at like Walmart or something. Not like the like the blue cardboard with the little plastic right, yeah. case. Right, yeah. It'd be like, I mean, it's, you know, the same size and all that, but these were specifically, they'd be like a like a higher grade product from Hot Wheels. Oh, I, don't, I can't remember even what the, what the thing was. In any case, if you were just looking for like what you could buy at Walmart, or I, I guess you could probably get these, but it's not, yeah, not just generic blister packs. Okay, okay. I think it was something called really boringly like the clear body or something, which I did find and I do now own. No way! Yeah, and there's, so there's like several models of them and if you try and like find them on, you can tell this is you're on the right track because if you try and look up individual clear body cars, it'll be like $18 and you're like, as if. And then like, I remember from when we were kids our fastest uh, Hot Wheel car which, that was always the challenge. Every time you got a new set of Hot Wheels, like maybe you just got the new fastest car that anyone owns. Right, yeah, like yeah. in our family. In our family. I think we need to set the scene for that a little bit because like as kids we had it was called this end up furniture correct it was like the like basically made of pure lumber mm. it, like i think it's the type of thing have you seen the episode of parks and rec where ron swanson like tests to see how strong the crib he built is by running into it with his truck yeah and then like his truck is like the bumpers hanging off right. and it looks totaled that is legitimately what would happen if you ran a truck into this furniture because right. it was just two by fours in the shape of a couch right with cushions that then like fit inside of it so coming off of our this end up furniture we had our little track with the clamps that like almost you you think you want to keep them tight but then the tighter you make them it really just made it less tight eventually you're just like warping it yeah you're yeah, just warping the it's plastic just cheap plastic yeah 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 so that came down we had like our our like ramp down that would go into our living room and then our dad from when he was a kid had the little checkered flag like yeah. who won the race do you remember that do I you do. still have it i don't have that one but i have a uh more up to date. Oh, a better one. Yeah. I don't one. even think it's better. Oh. I think it's more complicated to reset, which is to its downfall. Okay. Yeah. Because you would reset a lot of them. Because for what we were doing as kids, we would need to reset it a whole bunch. A whole bunch. Yeah. But we would have these Hot Wheels tournaments where like we would all go pick out like 12 cars from our like clear boxes that we had. Yeah. And then it was sort of like you would choose the car to face off like me versus Tyler and then you versus the winner of that and then me versus the winner of that and then Tyler versus yeah. the winner of that. We just have a giant bracket made up of the cars themselves on the carpet. Yeah. And it was just like tournament style, March Madness elimination until you got to the end. And it was truly spectacular. It I mean, was. it was like some of the most competitive nature I feel like I've had in my, like in my childhood years. I, it's so funny because I've been playing with Hot Wheels so much with Luke and it's hilarious to me. I don't know if you remember this, but we, because so many Hot Wheels cars are just fictional. Right. Or else you're a little kid and you don't really know the difference between the different like Ferrari model numbers or Land Lamborghinis or whatever. Sure. So you just call, like, we had a bunch of just names for the cars that were not. Oh yeah, White Lightning. White Lightning, I remember that one, exactly. No way. Yes. that's amazing. So I go through them and it's amazing to me that I cannot believe some of these things are like still in my memory and I'll pick it up and be like, Bumps. And I'm like, hmm, we called this Bumps. I remember that. I remember the car called Bumps. Yep, there was Bumps, we had Fins, we had like Dragon. There was like, oh, there's like 
so many. There's one, I love this one, it's so funny. It has like the theme for the series was all the cars had different currency on them. So this I think was, I think it just has pounds on it, but it says L10. Oh, L10. It says L10 on the side. So it's the symbol for pounds, but we just called it L10. Because we didn't know that that was a symbol for pounds. It was just the L. It's like the dollar sign for plenty of people. Oh my gosh. So I've been going, but it's such a fun trip remembering all the different names we had for the for the cars. Oh yeah, no, I would not I would not have thought about any of those yeah. in literally two decades. Right. Like su- such a long period of time ago. But then so the other thing about like our Hot Wheels as kids is dad was so bought into this particular hobby. Oh, like right. he was he was such a diehard about it that it was I feel like a fairly consistent thing that would happen is we would come down in the morning for breakfast and in front of like our cereal bowl in each of our spots Dad would have gone to like Walmart the night right. before and bought three new Hot Wheels. Right. And because he got off at like, you know, the 11 o'clock news. And he had to drive past Walmart on his way home. And he would drive past Walmart. And he wasn't going to see us the next day. Right. So yeah. he would like constantly like be like leaving these Hot Wheels for us out. Yeah. And it would, that was how we were like constantly building this new collection. So on like Sunday night or whenever we did our Hot Wheels tournament, we had like new cars to oh, determine. Oh, yeah. You'd have new cars. I mean, I feel like we did this all the time. But as an adult, I still remember the fastest one we ever caught, we ever had was called the. Lakester. Yes. Do you remember that one? I do, one? yeah. Yeah, it was a 1998 first edition. Ooh. Whatever. No big deal. Was that the first year we started collecting first editions? I think so. I think so. We can talk about the act of collecting Hot Wheels in a second. But in my quest for the clear body, the whatever fastest car on the present day market, I came across, I was like, ooh, you know what? I wonder if they made more Lakester models because I could just like buy those because I know that one. That one continues to be fast. Years later, who knew? They don't lose speed just sitting in a box. Man, you would have thought. You would have thought. Maybe it would have lost some of its moxie. Not at all. Lakester, still flying. (laughs) Still flying. Still flying. That's amazing. But I came across there is a Lakester treasure hunt. Treasure hunts, if you don't know, are like the like the the rare the, Hot Wheels, almost the holographics. Yeah, yeah. they're kind of like the. Hol- I don't even know if they're like quite as in vogue as they once were. If they're quite the rarities anymore. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like I remember as a kid, there were there were a small handful of occasions where we just organically found treasure hunts like right. out in the wild. And one of them for me, because usually like you could buy like a case of a hundred Hot Wheels. How many came in a case? Was it a hundred? Oh, it might have been like three. 300. 300, okay. I don't know. Like, it was like a cardboard box, like a big box that was just full of the Hot Wheels, and it's like what they would stock on the shelves. Right. And I think once or twice, Dad actually bought us a case. Right. So that we could, like, go through and literally just, like, do an unboxing of what the clerk would have found. Well, because what happens is that if you're really into Hot Wheels, and our dad just figured this out, is that they'll be there at night when they're unboxing the new crates. Yes. And as soon as they're on the shelves, they'll just scoop and any like treasure hunt right you off mean of collectors, it. Yeah, collectors. Like out, yeah, they'll be out there yeah. like waiting for them to, to restock the shelves in the event that there happens to be one. Right, yeah, in the event that there happens to be one. So your odds of just walking in as a kid and finding one organically on the shelf, basically impossible because the people who care have the means to be there at the moment of entry. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's where, where child uh, hobbies cannot contend with adults who are still into child hobbies. Right. That Or like hobbies that may be enjoyed by a child. Right. Um, so I remember once, uh, you know, like at the grocery store, every once in a while, like on the top shelf, there are like toys hanging down. Yeah. Like literally as high as you could reach though. And, and like we're at the grocery store, which is not even the place you would typically like hunt for treasure hunts. But I remember I was with mom one night. It was just me and her. And I found a treasure 
hunt up there. Right. But I'm like, you know, eight or yeah. something like that. So I'm like this itty bitty kid and cannot reach it. But I'm also not willing to walk away from the treasure hunt to right, like, like go and get mom. So I'm like, I have to figure this out. So I remember like running and jumping like as high as I could and like flicking it with my finger and trying to like pop it off of the shelf from, you know, probably <laughs> six and a half feet in the air or something like that. Not that high. Oh man. Um, and finally I did and I run up to mom and it was like the only occasion in my entire childhood where I knew without a doubt, there was no question that mom was gonna let me buy the toy that I walked up with. I was like, wow. mom, I just found a treasure hunt. Like that meant something to our mom too. Oh, yeah. And yeah. she was like, no, you did not. And yeah. it was like, thank you for that affirmation. But I did. And it's yeah. red. <laughs> like, it was the coolest thing ever. Very fun. Very fun. But the point of me talking about the Lakester is that there was a Lakester treasure hunt. Yes. And okay. in my quest for the clear bodies, which were $18, $20, this treasure hunt Lakester was like $2. What? I know. I was like, oh. So boring. I, I would just play with, I would just open it. Oh my God, you would open a treasure hunt? I know. So it I was feels like, like blasphemy. I know. I was like, I should just not buy it because I'll, I'll just open it. And yeah, no. So I didn't get it, but I got the clear body. I'm not even sure. Let me tell you what though, Ben, when I go Hot Wheels shopping for Lukester, yeah. man, Hot Wheels today, just a bazillion times cooler looking. Are like, they? They are so much cooler looking. Like, I'm just like, man, mine are so dumb compared to Luke's. Jeez. Wow, Luke has such a cool Luke collection. Has such a cool now. collection. I'm like, oh boy, his, uh, they have like translucent wheels and bodies and cool, fun colors. And I'm like, boy, mine just look like regular cars. Maybe See, they have a candy bar written on the side of them. <laughs> How cool is that? Yeah, the Reese's convertible. All right, how's it going to face off against Butterfinger? I don't know. Let me think. Let me think. Do you remember? I, oh, yeah, I do. I'm try I feel like Butterfinger wins that. I think, I think that's probably right. Because the Reese's car was kind of like small. smaller, so it had wiggle room on the track. Was it a Miata? I think it was a Miata. I wow. think it is. Man. Solid memory. Thanks. Solid I like cars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> apparently, apparently. The other fun thing we did, and I would love to do, I haven't looked up the value of these, was you could get mystery cars. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do remember. So, yes. So like you were saying, like with the, with the candy, yeah. there was like a series that came out and there were four cars in the series. Yeah. And one of them was like a Hershey's car. One of them was the Butterfinger, the Reese's. And the Crunch. And the Crunch, yeah. yeah. And if you collected all four and then sent in, what was it? Like the the, the backs of the blister pack? I like think you had to have four complete sets. You had to have four complete sets right. of the series. Of you just had to have four complete. Like, the series was like, there was many series. Oh, right, right, right. I'm sorry. Uh, yes, yeah. okay. I think you needed four completed series. Like I see. 16 Hot Wheels backs. It's starting to make sense why dad bought so many of these. It's, yeah. And of course, so you would, you would, that would, you would send those in. And then, like, a few weeks later, because, you know, there was no Amazon or anything. You would get the mystery car in the mail. Right. And I think, of course, before we could do that, everyone had to be able to get one. Yes. Like, you and me and Ty. So we didn't just need, we needed 12 complete sets. Yes. Which is so many. So many, it's 48 cars. Yeah, but I think, uh... We have we have a few of the mystery, and then there, so those those seem like really rare. You had to like really work to get those. Right, right. Yeah, mystery cars. Oh my gosh, yeah. The, I always thought the mystery cars were like slightly underwhelming when they came in. Like I think I always thought they were gonna be like so action packed, like 
you know, whatever. They were not. Yeah, they were just like re-skinned cars that already existed. And they were all, the ones we always had were black with gold trim. And they literally, I think, said on them like Q1, Q2, Q3, like what part of the year you got it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah. So it was a lot of work and it was sort of like moderately underwhelming because I think it even just came in like a black plastic. Oh, yeah. Like bag. It didn't come in. A box. It didn't come like yeah, in a cool box yeah. that you could keep it in. Which in some ways I think is better because it was like, well, we're playing with it you know for sure yeah. for sure that's so interesting though because i feel like this is now going to be like a third generation fascination with hot wheels i know because yeah. like the thing is is that even dad's attachment to it was not based on us like he grew up yeah. into Hot Wheels when he had these things called red lines. Oh, that was like, those were the, those are the vintage Hot Wheels. The vintage Hot Wheels. So yeah. it's like, this goes back to, I always think this is the most like fascinating thing ever because uh, it was sort of like eBay and like collectibles were becoming like kind of, I guess, quote unquote mainstream mm -hmm. in the late nineties. Right. Because all of a sudden it seemed like, you know, people who maybe collected Hot Wheels all of a sudden had access to the collectors from all over the country instead of just like yeah. Yeah. their local hobby gatherings and stuff part like that. Part of the Beanie Baby Boom. Exactly, part of the Beanie Baby Boom. So I remember dad was doing a story uh, on his Hot Wheels because he was selling them on eBay as like, you know, part of like a broadcast, you know, right. like for, for TV. He was yeah. like, yeah, I sold my childhood Hot Wheels and I made, you know, like I think he ended up making like $900 selling like five of these. What I remember is that dad was trying to sell his old Hot Wheels to buy a canoe. That's exactly <laughs> the Winona. The Winona, which we still do. Mm. We do still have we it. We do still have we it. We do still have it. I'm trying to decide if that was a replacement Winona. It has been repaired on multiple occasions, uh -huh. mostly due to me. Yeah, shocking. <laughs> shocking. Dude, there was, at your wedding, one of my favorite things was at breakfast on the day of, we're sitting down and dad just like is talking to you and me and the rest of your groomsmen. And he starts lamenting how we used to have all these sleeping bags. <laughs> and he's like, what happened? We had like, we had a bunch of sleeping bags and now we have none. We have none. What happened to the sleeping bags? It's like, he was finally had all of the culprits in one spot. And ask us. <laughs> Literally everyone who was responsible for the destruction of a sleeping, a sleeping bag, bag was in one spot. It's just like, he wasn't mad either because it's not like he uses them or anything, but it was just like this mystery. And yeah, so I love your story about dropping one, maybe two in a river. Maybe three. Maybe three. There. Okay, so once upon a time, we've talked about him before on the pop. Our friend John Jennings wanted to go canoe camping because he was he was dating his now wife, and they were always like doing like lots of cool adventure things. Yeah. And so I think it was just like one summer where like everybody was in town, and it was like, hey, let's let's go canoe camping. It's gonna be so great. And so I was kind of like, okay, I only have two canoes, and John's gonna be in one of them. Right. And then it's like me and one of my groomsmen, Stephen, and then the girl I was dating at the time were all three going to be in the other one right with just like all this stuff all this stuff and so like now as like as someone who if i were approaching the outdoors i feel like i would be all about finding like all the dry bags and the gear and like configuring the canoe so it's all perfectly packed and you know carefully put together yeah. and i would use like a line to make sure everything's tied in and it would be all just so at this point in my life that was not the case. These are the kind of considerations that any normal person would. This was the, this was the exact kind of thing I ran into with Beth all the time in the course of our courtship, where like procedure and stuff was just like out the window to me. It was like it doesn't. You just get up and go. What do you mean? Like oh, you know, like this was just this was just how it was done because we would just get up and go and do 
whatever. And we would, and there were never consequences. We were immensely efficient at doing things like, because there was absolutely, it was like, we were not going to let planning get in the way of anything. Right. And so it usually just meant that we were wildly unprepared. And then we get to now look back on that lack of preparation as fond memories. Exactly. Because we, because we still did this thing. So we get down to this like cornfield where we're getting ready to like put the canoe in. And it's literally like from where we are, it's a feed river that goes into the James River. And you're in the feed river for no less than 100 meters. Sure. Like it is just no a distance. launching point. It's just a launching point. No distance at all. And in that period of time, you're basically taking like a hard left turn out of the feed river into the main river, which means all of the water culminates in this like tiny little rapids you have to go through in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And this is where it all goes down. This is where it all goes so down. I'm like still in view of the cars. Right. They're like visible to me right there. The three of us get into the canoe. The guy in front, Steven, has not paddled the canoe ever, has absolutely no idea what he's doing, but I'm like, I've been on two canoe trips in my life. I know what I'm doing. Well, more than two. We used to go, like, we've been on many a fishing canoe trip. Sure. I mean, like, long-term, like, week-long camping trips where I was out of a canoe the entire week. So, anyway, I throw all my stuff in there. The girlfriend is sitting, like, in the middle with no paddle. No paddle. She's just along for the ride. She's just along for the the ride. The horrible, horrible ride. horrible, horrible ride. We've got these gigantic red sleeping bags. And... (laughs) they're the ones you're talking about. That's, that's the ones, yeah. I remember, if I recall, these were like our big Christmas gift as kids. Was <laughs> at like the age of four and five or something. I think it may have been younger than that because I literally, I have no recollection of acquiring them oh, as far as I knew. Was. Yeah. Yeah, I think one year we came downstairs and dad had bought a tent and two sleeping bags. And maybe the real gift was we were going to go camping. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and I was like, sleeping bags! <laughs> the best! These would go great in a river in 10 years. <laughs> Longer. Yeah, longer than that. Maybe 15 years. Um, And so anyway, we get in. John Jennings goes through the rapids with, you know, his girlfriend flawlessly. (laughs) And it's I was like, whoa, that was so cool. So I paddle up. Steven immediately pulls the canoe like four feet to the right. And we promptly go through this rapids completely sideways. (laughs) That's not how you want to go through rapids, people. No, not at all. Promptly, every single, all three of us get dumped out of the canoe. All of our stuff gets dumped out of the canoe. And then the canoe itself wraps around a rock. Right. Like, like as if it were a like piece like a like a garbage bag floating right. you know in the river that gets <laughs> caught on a stick like i mean it was beyond stuck it didn't even look like a canoe anymore it was folded into a fortune cookie so, like okay so when you say yeah wrapped around it's folded is 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 the bottom of the canoe fo- like touching itself or is the or or is like the seats touching themselves okay so the top, okay, so you have the bottom of the canoe, and then you have like the opening on top, which is surrounded by a gunnel, yeah. which is like the black part yeah. that like, you know, holds it in. So it's basically sitting appropriately to where you could like, where it's like facing upwards, I guess. But it is then like so long wise, and then literally, I'm trying to figure out the best way, the best words to, to describe this. The canoe is like folded in the, the least likely way that it could possibly fold. Okay. So it would be like if you T boned it and it just 
bent all the way around. Okay. So does that make sense? I think so. So yeah. So so like like a fortune cookie shape. Like a fortune cookie shape. Is, okay. Yeah, is, is probably the best way to describe it. And water is meanwhile just like literally now it has redirected the flow of the river where the canoe is now part of the rapids. Right. So like water is at all times pouring into and out of the canoe. So it is completely full of water. Right. All of my stuff, meanwhile, is now going down <laughs> yeah, the river. Yeah, every second is another <laughs> meter down the river. Right, it's, it's priceless time. So John Jennings is like, he's out of his canoe at this point, chasing my sleeping bags down, <laughs> which are everywhere. And I am <laughs> I'm taking my canoe paddle and I've like wedged it between a couple of rocks and I am using like the, the mighty force of Thor. Right. Like I think literally a lightning bolt comes out of the sky <laughs> and like invigorates me with the, like, the, like it makes me the God of thunder to where I can, I can pop the canoe out by a sheer miracle. Like, <laughs> I don't know how many gallons of water were inside of that canoe, but it was way more than my small 140-pound body should have been able to maneuver in mm. any way, shape, or form. So I pop the canoe out miraculously, and it immediately shoots right back into the shape of a canoe. So Even more miraculous. I, I know. Gun will be darned. <laughs> it was in great shape. And I was like, wow, incredible. So now I'm trying to calm everybody down. The girl's crying. Steven's, like, frantically trying to pick stuff up. And we're slowly putting things back in the canoe. And I go over to pick up the sleeping bag, oh no. which, like, at this point in time, is 1,000%, like, all the water is, saturated. Is in, like, I think half the water in the river is now absorbed into <laughs> the sleeping bag. I go to pick it up, and Jay, it must have weighed 379 pounds. Like, it was, like, comically heavy. It was. It was unable to be lifted. I, all of my, all of my God of Thunder powers had been used already. I'm just oh man, it sounds it sounds so terrible. And you, even though you're inside of the car, and even though your sleeping bags are clearly ruined, ruined. like they're not like they don't need to be dried out. They are ruined. Yeah, it's not like no, we'll just we'll lay them out of the canoe for the rest of the paddle, and they'll pro maybe we'll rig them out. We can probably still sleep in it. It would have probably sunk us. <laughs> so you do not recover them. So we do not, we do not no. recover the sleeping bags, the red sleeping bags no. that apparently we got for Christmas. And so we proceed down the river for some reason. Like, that is the most baffling part <laughs> of this whole story to me is that we could have walked literally right up the river bank, put the canoe back on the car and driven home, and that just would have been the end of the just trip. Like, we tried. Nightmare over. No. <laughs> Nightmare just beginning. Instead, we, we proceed on our 10-mile journey down the river. 10 miles well the, the first night i think we went six so we had four the next morning where we were going to proceed down balcony falls which is the largest set of rapids in like our area relative to the james river and so we get to our campground that night which is a rocky beach you know on the side of the shore there sure. john who had perfectly packed his canoe yeah with dry bags packed light yeah well no not packed light he had an air mattress oh okay so double decker there, if i recall double decker air mattress with sheets <laughs> he brought like a fitted sheet for the air mattress oh, and so i'm at this point literally none of the three of us have sleeping bags all of our spare clothes and the clothes we are wearing are completely soaked from yeah. where we've been dumped into the river and so me and steven and the girlfriend were sharing a wet beach towel <laughs> as our blanket is that slash making it better or worse 
horrible. It was, like, I don't know. I, again, it's like we probably would have been better just sleeping on the floor of the tent. So if you can imagine inside of John's tent, which is a huge tent, it's probably the size of like this room that we're in right now. <laughs> He is, a small hotel room. Yeah. He is sleeping on a double-decker air mattress with a fitted sheet and blankets. And the three of us are soaking wet on the ground, which is rocks, mm-hmm. right next to him yeah. with our heads on a wet towel mm. where we proceed to attempt to sleep through the night. This is, um, this is the most Camping with John Jennings story I've ever heard. I know. Because, gosh, to tell like I remember a different occasion where you and I... We're meeting John and we were camping next to a river. We weren't we weren't canoeing there, but we were certainly not arriving at a reasonable time when the sun was out. Oh no, definitely yeah, not. No, I, I, think, I think we we left the trip for the trip at nine PM. That sounds even a little early. I don't Maybe. know. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say we got there any earlier than midnight. Okay. Yeah, sure. I don't know. I don't what month was this? Because I've mm, It may have been January. It might have been January. Cold. Cold outside. And this was uh we were camping at a location above the the Cascades. Yes. Where, which is this amazing waterfall. And if you're like a, a student at Radford or Virginia Tech, I guarantee you've you've hiked it two or three times. Absolutely. It's like it's just this like really well known spot. But what is less well known is that there's a there's a back way to get to the top of it, which I don't think you're supposed to technically walk through. But you know whatever we were. I'm, I'm fairly certain we were not <laughs> supposed to. Either. We were not supposed to either. But you know what? We were there and we were carrying our backpacks and our sleeping bags and stuff. All you got you got to hike it all in, of course. Oh yeah. It's like whatever. It's not. A, it's not a long walk. So you know, just just deal with it. It's right. heavy, but just deal with it because it's not very far. But here's the here's the rub: is that you gotta you gotta walk through the river. Through. There's no bridge. You gotta wade through the river to get to the campground. Yeah. Right. So it's dark. It's January. You're loaded down with a ton of heavy stuff. It's at least I don't know knee deep water oh, and I, I, uneven footing. Uh, yeah, absolutely. With a strong current. Yep. So. That if you were to fall and then float down, you would then go over the cascades. Is that how close it was? Well, I mean, you would have to float I mean, down you, a reasonable it, Yeah, you're not, like, you're not like 10 feet from the waterfall. No, 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 yeah, not yeah, that yeah. close. Not no. that close. Yeah, it's it's farther down. But so it's, yeah, that's, that's what you're walking through to get just to where we're going to sleep. And... I, this is, this is uh, John, of course, has the best balance of anyone ever, and he walks across it as if it's just solid ground. Yeah. No problem at all. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Everything's dry. Air mattress above his head. I don't think he had an air mattress on this occasion. Popcorn Culture is sponsored by Shopify. Y'all are likely aware of the fact that we have our very own Shopify store, Carlin Brothers Mercantile. And it's hard to imagine not having it now, but arriving at the decision to open our own web store was a big one. In fact, we started our journey on the interweb back in 2012 and didn't finally open up shop until 2018. And a huge part of that is just not knowing where to start, but that's where Shopify steps in. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, which is a fancy way of saying it's a really easy and effective way to start an online business, no matter if you're operating out of your garage or have like a whole building or three or something. Once we were set up, our biggest concern was trying a new product only to discover no one was interested in it. But Shopify is powered with so many reports, more than you can even imagine. And this is so handy because it allows us to use data to better provide what folks are actually interested in. It's so easy to use, but even if you do find yourself caught in a jam, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash pop pop. That's all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash pop pop now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash pop pop. Popcorn culture is supported by Arena Club. Okay, so you guys know that I love trading card games and that me and Ben are big time collectors of Pokemon cards. You know, it's that childhood fantasy of finally being able to use adult money to buy those highly coveted rares of our youth. And like even in our office, we have not one, but two full display cases with some of our all time favorite rarest cards that we've pulled. But something I did not know existed when I was a kid in my youth was the grading process for trading cards or sports cards or whatever you're collecting. You know, to me, it was just like a rare Charizard is a rare Charizard. Like it doesn't, doesn't matter if it's been hanging out in my pocket with my lucky paper clip. Turns out it does matter and kind of a lot because if you get your cards professionally graded, it can add huge value. And then not only that, but once they're graded, they will like seal them in that pristine condition inside of a plastic case or what's known in the industry as a slab. And that's where Arena Club steps in because it's like buying a booster pack, but it's for a pre-graded card. Now, I know that can take like maybe a second to wrap your head around because you're opening physical cards on a digital platform, which means you open the pack online and see your polls where they can be added to your showroom for the world to see. But you can also request them to be sent to you at any time. So they have got a ton of pre graded cards and then you will get to randomly open one and then they'll keep it for you or they can send it to you or you can just like sell it or trade it online or whatever you want to do. But whether you're buying, selling, trading or displaying Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have got to check out. And right now you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash pop pop, which wow, that is a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's like $40 right there. Anyway, that's arenaclub.com slash pop pop for 10% off your first purchase. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. But and then you walk across it successfully and I just like hit a rock in the middle of it and just all my stuff, yeah, fall over. Yep. Fall over. I think I managed to get my sleeping bag out of the water, but my my pants at the very least completely soaked. Completely soaked. And it's the sort of trip where all we're really planning, even though we're getting there at midnight, we're only really planning on staying until about 10 the next day. Yep. So we weren't so much camping as we were sleeping outside by choice. Exactly. It's like, why did we make it so difficult? I don't know. But what I do know is that wearing the pants was simply not an option for the rest of the trip. So... I spent that entire trip pantsless wearing my sleeping bag as pants. I remember exactly that. Uh, And I was trying to dry out all my clothes by the fire. And eventually one of my socks caught fire. This is the part of the story I love the most. (laughs) And I think John picks it up and starts like flinging it around trying to like put the fire out rather than like stamping out or something. Part of the flaming sock hits me in the face. (laughs) 
and I have a burn mark on my face from <sighs> fiery sock. It's like what happened to your face? <laughs> Flaming sock. Yeah, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe me. <laughs> it was it was like Murphy's Law. It was an evening. So many things went wrong. I could not believe it. Couldn't believe it. So I just sit there in my stupid sleeping bag all night. Yeah, yeah. I think that night actually was. I I believe it was the same evening. So we were we were hammock camping. Oh, which was like the fad. I think it's actually part of the reason. Like we we slowly realized that we didn't need a tent yeah. because we all had those like you know like the Eno mm-hmm. hammocks which you could like fit you know anywhere. They're really yeah. small. And so we would frequently go and we'd like string them up like you know one over top of the other so that it would be like a fun like we'd be like all yeah look at that hanging out how cool what a fun picture and i remember that entire night and this used to happen to me as a kid while camping but i would always like hear the rustlings yeah outside and so while while i'm in it you know it's freezing cold and i'm like wrapped up in like a mummy bag and my and i'm on the bottom layer of the hammock you know pecking order yeah and as i'm like laying there i'm like man i hear something i hear (laughs) something like underneath me i'm like guys guys you hear that and sure enough it's like you know one of those things where you figure the whole night it's nothing it's nothing it's just branches falling or it's like or a squirrel squirrels like tiny woodland creatures yeah the next morning we woke up and there's coyote footprints everywhere and it's like yeah, yeah. That was that one was potentially dangerous. They mm. were probably scavenging our our canned food that we brought. Did we bring canned food? I think we had canned food. I don't Maybe know. Maybe canned ravioli. It seemed like we had this real habit of if there was a word you could put in front of camping, that was a better way to do it. And it was worth trying. We had cold camping and hammock camping and cave camping <laughs> and canoe camping. Like, why did we, like... <laughs> I think, I really don't know. I really, really, really don't know. Because it's funny, like, we grew up as kind of, sort of, outdoorsy kids. Like, we were taught to fish, and we went yeah. camping with our dad, and we were, like, you know, in, the like, Boy, Boy Scouts. Scouts. And, yeah. But it's, like... It was sort of like we never really were delivered into what I would imagine as someone who was described as like an outdoorsman. Mm-hmm where we weren't really specifically going out into nature to, like, enjoy nature. No, it was just, like, we knew that there was, like, we we were capable enough to exist until morning. Right. whatever else happened, who really cared? Who really cared is exactly right. I feel like it was also, like, we were not going out there and doing anything that we weren't supposed to be doing other than maybe being wherever we were. Like, we may have been, like, you know, trespassing or something. I don't know. (laughs) Not, Not supposed to be up there. For the most part, it wasn't like, you know, we were, like, sneaking away to go do you know alcohol and drugs oh, right, or anything right. like that we would, like, this was yeah this was the, we we were not people who did like any partying in high school this was our this was our party this was our party yeah and, and yeah. most of the time we would bring like an inordinate number of sodas oh right because for the number of hours that we were to be outside. Right, because here's the thing, because we were all, everyone on these these camping trips was always, <laughs> like, a member of the track or the cross-country team. Yes. And, like, as a point of pride, we just didn't drink soda. Yes. You know, like, so, while other high schoolers might have been out drinking um, libations of yeah. a different sort, our, our breaking the rulesiness was, guys, guess what? Tonight, we're drinking Coke. That's it. Can you believe it? It's like, and we, and we bought, like, Three 12 packs. That's right. Three. If God, <laughs> like this, the worst version of this was once you, you and me and John, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and our friend Mike were going on this hike on the Appalachian Trail uh, to a place called Dragon's Tooth. Dragon's Tooth. Yep. <laughs> and I can assure you we were leaving 
no later than midnight on this particular occasion. It was pitch black. It was pitch black. Well, it was a full moon. It was a full it moon. It was a full it moon was, on this occasion. Yeah. But we decide, I think, at about 10 o'clock, what if we just go camping at Dragon's Tooth? Right. Right? Well, first of all, of course, do we have all the gear? Well, we've got a bunch of sleeping bags in That the were basement. all in our cars all the time, I right. feel like. Yeah. <laughs> and on this occasion, I think we had this... <laughs> No, we had one tent that I think was a two-person tent, right? Correct. And here's the rule about tents. Here, let me tell you the rule about tents, everybody, okay? And take notes. Seriously, write it down. Whatever the tent says the capacity is on the outside, what you want to do is subtract at least one, and that's actually how much it can fit. Yes. Right? That's the rule. Four-person tent? No. Four-person like four children, maybe. Or, yeah, unless you're going to be like four people with incredibly minimal gear laying side to side to side to side. Yeah. Like shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Four person tent, realistically, three person tent, yep. if not two. Yep. Two person tent, realistically, you can barely put a baby in there. <laughs> <laughs> Luke alone would be crowded in this tent. But so we, we take off with, I want to say, about 48 cans of soda. At uh, about 10 p.m. Hold on. I want to I clarify. You say we set off with 48 cans of soda. <laughs> no, this is from like Kroger, from buying the soda. We oh, set off. Okay, okay. Yeah. We set off from our from our homes with our awesome beverages <laughs> for four people, mind you. The, the math here is that by morning, and it's already 10, all four of us will have consumed at least 12 sodas. <laughs> Correct. Expectations, Expectations properly placed. <laughs> it's just math, okay? Yeah. Geez. And the, the, the start of the hike is a, mm, about an hour's drive away. Yep. Maybe 45 minutes if you're going fast. And then from the bottom of the hike, it's a, I don't know, I always feel like Dragon's Tooth in particular undershoots it. It's about a three mile hike, right? Yeah, that's what I was just trying yeah. to pull up. But I, I think a three mile hike. Up. Right. So we arrive at about 11 for a three mile hike. And I mean, you know, you're at the bottom, right? So it's all uphill. All uphill. To get to the tooth, yep. as it were. And <laughs> I'll let you tell the part about carrying the soda because I was on the winning end of it. But. Yeah, yeah. So we all we all get out of the cars. And I feel like one of the, the things about being a member of the GMA was like, you had to have like a flashlight, a pocket knife and a headlamp, you know? So like we're all getting like geared up or whatever. So we go to grab the cooler, which has our 48 sodas in it. And it's sort of like, it, it requires two people to carry it at any point in time. Sure. Because it's not really like a- well, But didn't we have like a backpack cooler thing? Oh, maybe we did. Because we, we were koala carrying it some of the way. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, it was a, it was a heavy- heavy cooler hmm. and the idea was that like two people would manage it or one person would carry it and then it would pass off to the next person and then like the next person the next person well i'm standing there mike starts off with it and so i'm like all right well i'll hang with mike and i'll take the next shift sure enough jay and uh jonathan who are not at all i'm sorry john and you yeah me and john who are not not encumbered by the weight yeah of the of the cooler sure promptly leave us we, we each took one turn. I think we were trading off about the first mile. Maybe we all traded off about every quarter mile. And then, yeah, John just decided, let's go. Let's go. So that's the other thing. So we start going up the mountain and all of a sudden Mike and I are having the full burden of carrying this cooler up there. <laughs> and there's this like one juncture at like maybe, maybe a half mile from the top where you can go like right 
to the tooth or a left to who knows where. <laughs> Guess which direction Mike and I took? <laughs> the wrong one. The wrong one. Right. So we're already furious because we've been carrying this incredibly heavy cooler yeah. the whole way mm -hmm. up the mountain. We get out there, we take the wrong direction and we're like, there is no tooth up here. Like, I don't know what, what is going <laughs> no on. Tooth. And we don't and really no have dragons. like, we don't have phones at, that, at least at this point or maybe they weren't working <laughs> because we were specifically on a mountain. I feel like yeah. maybe that's what it was. Maybe. So I'm not like, I'm unable to communicate. So at this point, I feel like I've carried a cooler to the top of a mountain and I'm lost. And you're in the middle of the woods. In the middle of the night. Yeah. yeah. And again, I'm pretty sure it was February and like eight degrees. It was, it was yeah, it was uh, cold. <laughs> it was cold. I so, wasn't. I was up a house moving pretty hard, man. I, yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet. Moving a, a, a hasty <laughs> click. <laughs> So anyway, we, we finally all get together and I feel like it's like we didn't even know on the onset that when we got to the top that there was only going to be one tent. I think we did. We were just like, oh, it says two. We could like, we'll fit. Did we think that? Because I, I think, feel like I remember being surprised. I think we thought we'd fit. Okay. But here's the thing. You're right. It was cold. And here's the other thing about being on the top of the mountain is that the kind of plants that grow there are not the kind that burn. Yeah. <laughs> so that was another issue where there was no fire to be had. None. And it's not like, you know, first of all, everyone's exhausted because we just walked up the mountain carrying a cooler. <laughs> And, so like, and it's also dark, so like retrieving wood, pretty difficult. Yep. And we try for a long time, and we don't get anywhere. We set up the tent. I think we all got in there, but man, was it not... Oh, it was it way was too tight. It was way too tight. I'm sure that if you looked at it from the outside, you would have seen like this perfect little triangle, and then like towards the bottom, oh just massive God. bulges of people that were like, mm. like literally about to rip the seams of this thing. Yeah. So all four of us are inside this itty bitty tent. Itty bitty. And we're just like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? We have no fire. We're all freezing. We don't fit. <laughs> we can't finish all this soda. <laughs> it's way too much. <laughs> so. So, having hiked up the mountain, having set up the tent, and decided we can't fit in it, we decide, let's just go home. <laughs> no, I think actually what happened was, in high school, we used to always go to the to the WAF. Yeah. The Waffle House. Yeah, the Waffle House. Which is open 24-7. Sure and so, is. I think while we're laying there, John Jennings is like, why don't we go to the WAF? And I'm like, yes. Yes, this is miserable. I would love to go get hash browns and like a cheeseburger. Yeah. You know, at five in the morning by five the time the morning, we, we finally right. get there. So we pack up everything. I'm pretty sure we dump a few sodas up there, like empty the cans. Yeah. So that we don't have to carry the weight back down because we, we were never going to drink them all. Money well spent. We get down to the car eventually. We're no, we got down to the car in like record speed. Oh, well, like booking it, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we all were able to, because I mean, we're all in like insane cross-country shape. That's true. Yeah, That's true. and now we're not encumbered by the weight of the cans. Not that I was at any point anyway, but yeah. 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 And we're running downhill now. So I think we got down the mountain in like 20 minutes or something. It was, it was, it, yeah, it was fast. Yeah. But so we, we get down the mountain, we're back in uh, John's car and he's like driving us back towards town and I'm like, all right, Waffle House, here we come. This is the light at the end of this miserable tunnel. He doesn't go. He doesn't take me. We, don't go, we didn't go to Waffle House We didn't go to day? Waffle House. No, nope. I think he got in the car and he was so tired and so ready to like be done with us mm. that we just went back to the cars. Everybody went their separate ways and that was the rest of the night. No, that was not the rest of the night. But I think maybe the reason we didn't go to the Waffle House because we were driving home and we got on I-81, the interstate, as a faster way of getting home, and we missed the exit for Roanoke. Oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And so we're like, oh, oh, whoops. So we have to go down to the next exit, turn around, and go back and try and get the exit on the next try, and we miss it again. <laughs> and it's just like, this is the night that won't end. 
<laughs> and finally, we turned around again and get the exit correctly. Maybe that's why we didn't go to the wall. But I remember, yeah, we missed the exit. Not once, but twice. Maybe I was just so transfixed, like on on this memory of not getting to go to Waffle House. Mm. Like even just now, like it's as as an adult, it's not something where I'm like, man, I could really go for some Waffle House. But as I'm telling the story, it's like I could really go for some Waffle House. Hey man, don't hate on the Waff. I'm, I'm not, yeah. not 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 whatsoever. Waff. We should. I wish we could leave here and go to the Waff. Oh boy, that's what the <clears throat> quarantine is really stopping us from doing. That's really it. Getting at the Waff. First thing I'm gonna do. Once yeah. the restrictions are lifted. <laughs> oh my gosh, the Waffle House we used to go to, I'm sure it's the exact same as the one in your town. Dirtiest place ever. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely filthy. <laughs> Just, why did we eat there? Oh, because it was cheap and open, that's why. <laughs> because so much of our activities, yeah, I think took place between the hours of 9 p.m. Mm. and 9 a.m. So often, the camping trip, with cabin camping, that was another one. Yeah. Yeah, which sounds like, aren't you staying in a cabin? But no. <laughs> It's it, not so simple. It is notably deceptive. It is, it is different. <laughs> also, though, on the note of on the note of the Waffle House, though, there was one occasion where I think it was the the year, your first year of college, mm. but for homecoming dinner, me. Mike and John Jennings brought our dates to Waffle House. Which I'm sure you thought was hilarious. We thought was the funniest thing that has ever happened. Yeah. Our dates <clears throat> absolutely furious because me, Mike, and John sit at a booth together. You <laughs> didn't sit with them? We did not sit with them. Oh, they no. were at the booth. I mean, they were at the booth immediately <laughs> behind us. But it was just like, oh, it was such, such a, a terrific nightmare. Mm, it sounds like you're mostly going to this dance out of like ceremony more than... I believe at this point in, in our high school careers, which is, I think it was almost like uh, you had graduated. They were a year younger than you and I was a year younger than them. So yeah. I was a junior at this point in time uh -huh. and they were seniors. I think that like I was so ingrained into like them being my friends that it was like, it's the last year. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> And I still had one year left after that. Right. Can I'll you believe it? Some. I had to do another year of it. Gosh. I know. I don't even remember where I went. So clearly Waffle House was the right choice because I remember that one. There you go. There you go. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Bravo. Yeah. You did it. Oh my gosh. Boy, I can't, that's, I'm sure, that's not even, this isn't even scratching the surface of our stupid camping stories. <laughs> I tell you what, we might have to revisit it at a later pop. I'm just, I'm remembering so many more. So many more. So many more dumb situations we found ourselves in. There were so many times we would go to all of this trouble to go to these remote locations with these, like, with the intention of staying there, like, overnight. And it would take so much effort to get there, and we'd always get there so late. And we would just abandon ship in the middle like so many times yeah i really i don't know why we were so like it whatever kind of like rational thinking you would think you would have to the tune of is it worth doing this to sleep outside for effectively like six bad hours wake up laugh about it for another hour and then just like limp back to the car and go home yeah it never stopped us from doing it, it constantly never, yeah but like so but like we wouldn't even get to the to the morning you know it was like the act of getting there was the fun part and then it was like once you're there it's like well i don't want to sleep outside this is stupid <laughs> i don't maybe not but i don't know i feel like there was many times where we would just pack it up or we wouldn't stay at the campground it did seem far too frequent that we that yeah. we ended up bailing on the on our grand plans like the fact that we would convince ourselves to do it in the first place and then go through all the trouble and then not see it through right 
That's what doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Does it worry you at all that Luke is going to have the same kind of thinking in just a mere <sighs> 16 years? Uh, man, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. How adventurous will they be? Hopefully very. But hopefully they just don't get hurt. It's like mom, moms and dads always say like they always know what you're up to. Like they always know what you're pulling. I, I find it like very unlikely that mom and dad could have had any idea just how ridiculous we were being. Yeah. Just because it wasn't being ridiculous in the way that like, ah, they're being teenagers. It was, but like in our very own unusual in a very way. very unique way that often involved rivers and tents and sleeping bags. And cans of soda. And cans of soda. <laughs> Oh, oh boy. This is, yeah, that was, gosh, we'll have to tell you more camping stories on future episodes of The Pop. I never expected that we would get through this much of this particular episode by talking about Hot Wheels and camping. Yeah. But we really have made quite the journey. So for my question to all the little colonels today out there that like to send the fantastic responses, I want to know, what was your childhood collectible? Yeah. And were your parents in on it? Like, because I have a feeling as an as a parent for myself, I expect I will get very into their hobbies. Yeah. Because it's just going to be like, this is too much fun. I know. Or or do you think you're going to try and like steer their hobbies? I don't think I will. You don't think so? Because Maybe I, you can't. Maybe there's no predicting. They, there could be no yeah. predicting it. But I think the thing for me is that what I found is that anything that somebody is able to get me into, I ultimately find I'm usually just blown away at how much there is to know about whatever it is. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm I'm like wide open to whatever potential interests Oh, I, I know. Have, I have no clue. We didn't about. even get into Hot Wheels variations. I know, barely oh, no. even. Right, but we didn't even talk about that. We didn't even touch the surface. The, the, you can't understand the the true high of finding a, a, a Hot Wheel with different wheels, <laughs> slightly different spokes, because they accidentally put the other ones on. Oh boy. Oh, the best. Man. Anyway, so yeah, guys, be sure to email all of your responses or else if you just had any particularly unusual <laughs> camping excursions in your life, you can send all of your thoughts to popcornculturepod at gmail.com. Yes, I bet yours was a much more, hopefully, just tame evening of sitting around the campfire, eating s'mores, sleeping till morning. Maybe not. Maybe I don't hope that. I hope it was crazy and you had weird adventures. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like you used a slingshot to shoot things into trees. Yeah. Or you set off Roman candles that people thought were signal flares. Those are things that have not happened, of course. Don't that be would ridiculous. be ridiculous. That would be crazy. Set fireworks in the woods. No, don't do that. Okay. Last final closing thought because I just remembered it. Do you remember the time that dad oh told Tyler that if he, <laughs> yes. if he, uh, yes, I do. If he didn't mow the lawn, this is our little brother. If he didn't mow the lawn, then when he came home at midnight, he was going to wake him up and make him do it. Yeah. And on this particular occasion, we were camping on this ridge that was up above our parents' house. Mm. So it was it was pretty far away from mom and dad's, but you had a clear shot of mom and dad's right. from up on top of this huge hill. And I remember having overheard that conversation happen whilst in the house that day. And then that evening while we were up there camping, we hear like a motor running and we were able to look down on mom and dad's house and see this tiny little light bulb traveling across it. As Tyler is mowing, mowing the lawn the at midnight. Yes, I remember that. 
that. that oh, so that's so that's not really a camping story, but it was a story that happened While adjacent we to camping. Adjacent to our camping. Oh, oh man, boy. guys! Again, if you want to find a way to support the pop, there is one over at Patreon.com/popcornculture where you can help decide who each week's host is going to be. That's right. For your five dollars, we do actually produce a, a second extra small segment, about ten to fifteen minutes of bonus content that is only uploaded directly to the Patreon. Also, I want to give a shout out to some of the patrons who are currently supporting us, including Amanda Lance, Marcus Muller, Mueller, Muller, Edith, Angela Whitehead, Ivory, Emma Forrester, Mats, oh, Mats, I can never Mots. pronounce, Mats, 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 Donna Bark, Liam Gilpin, Brad Bo, thank you to all of you guys for, for supporting support. us over on Patreon. I'm going to continu- continue to give shout outs at the end of every episode. So at just complete random. At just complete random. Okay. Yeah. Random, random stabs in the dark. So you may, you may get a quick little shout out as a, as a bonus for your Patreon support, support patronage. What am I trying to say here? Yeah, patron. I think that's the right word. Okay. I got there eventually. I think my words are starting to fail me yeah. here at the end of, we've recorded a, a video for Super Carlin Brothers today and now an hour of pop. So you've done a lot of talking. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise guys, until next time pop pop saving money on exterior wall lights now at menards find your style with patriot lighting exterior lights enhance the look of your home choose from over 50 options from patriot lighting now through may 19th get ten dollars instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of 100 or more on in stock outdoor wall lights check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on menards.com save big money at menards when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply